Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode 9 of the Rostrovina Project. Today's guest escaped the war in Bosnia as a child and moved to England as a refugee. She now runs the handcrafted vintage clothing line War and Drobe. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Nina Kovacvic. Should we start off with an easy one? What was the first piece of clothing you ever made? Oh my God. I think actually the first thing I ever made, the first thing that comes into my head was I got this fabric from a charity shop and it was like, it was upholstery fabric and it had these like waves in it. And it was kind of like um, a rustic orange color, like the kind of like 70s furniture look. Okay. And um, and then I made like a play suit out of it. So that was the first thing that I ever made. Um, it was like sort of halter neck shorts. Um, and I did it mostly by hand because I didn't know how to use a sewing machine. So <laughs> it was like a bit experimental. Yeah, wore it like a lot to uni with like a jacket from a charity shop. That was the kind of like, look, the charity shop look. <laughs> Oxfam. Like. Uh, how long did it take to make? I don't remember. Back then I didn't really think of it. Like now that like I've got the business going, I have to think of it in terms of time and how long it takes me to make and that sort of thing. But I never really thought of it like that. It was just something I always really enjoyed doing. So it's kind of like I just pick it up and put it down whenever I felt like I wanted to get back to it. So, yeah, I really don't remember. It was such a long time ago as well. And what age were you? Do you remember? Uh, so that was when I was I was at uni. So it would have been about like 20, 21, I think. Yeah. So, But I had been sewing before, but the first like piece of clothing I made was that one that I can remember maybe like school plays and stuff but that would have been with the help of my mum <laughs> I can remember I had to be an Indian in a school play once and my mum had to <laughs> with the tassels and everything oh that's really sweet what that play was, was it it was Peter Pan oh. and like which I feel like is a dent for any girl's sort of um self of pride like because I had to be you know the chief in it the dad that was my role. I think because oh. I was tall. <laughs> you weren't playing a lady. <laughs> I was like harsh, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I do it remember like, that bit now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, how is, have you been finding your business during lockdown? Do you know what? I When it first happened, lockdown, I was genuinely like, in like a silent panic in my mind. I was like, where's this going to go? Like, cause I thought definitely like logic tells you that there'll be an uncertainty in terms of jobs and stuff. So I straight away thought, oh, people probably spend less. But then I found it was crazy. Like I had so many more orders coming in. Oh. It was like Christmas is usually my busiest time, but during lockdown, it was like everybody seemed to be on their like laptops and like Instagram, like just shopping. Like, so <laughs> I was like, pleasantly surprised like it was one of those rare moments in life where things turn out for the better like I was just like oh great okay tell me more about uh, your the kind of clothes you make yeah so I make um I focus on sustainable fashion so I look at the fabrics I used uh, I use and like where I source them so I do find like organic but then I also like look a bit deeper into finding uh, designer surplus materials vintage materials um reusing like what's already out there so it's not creating new waste and then when I choose fabrics I'll go for fabrics like linen 
that um, if they're already made, like linen, because with like linen, the earth that it's grown on can be reused a lot more than cotton can. So oh, cotton yeah. has like a shorter lifespan. And um, yeah, so like linen is a lot more sustainable in that sense. But um, but yeah, so I make like women's wear and then a lot of accessories. Headbands have been like crazy popular with me. So I've been like focusing because I had make everything. I've been focusing more on the headbands recently just because they've just been more time consuming. Like a lot more orders have come in for that. So yeah, I need to get a new collection, clothing collection out soon. How does uh, linen um, last compared to cotton uh, sort of wear and tear wise? I think to be honest, if it's, it all depends on like how good the quality is. I think they're pretty compatible. I would say linen probably like long term years and years will last longer. But I think because a lot of people nowadays, and this doesn't apply to everyone, of course, but most people will buy something that's cotton or any fabric and just it's more disposable. Like I think that's the mindset like high street fashion has like brought into society where it's like buy it, throw it away, buy a new one rather than buying something last your lifetime you know like the way it was with like jeans or like a good shirt like you'd buy it once and that was your shirt do you know what I mean that was the one you had and maybe you'd have a couple of different colors but I think in that term it's kind of like difficult to tell like in many ways because people throw it away anyway but I would say they're pretty like neck to neck I would say linen probably lasts longer though if I were to like put my money on something one oh, of them <laughs> let's just say linen <laughs> I'll take your word for it uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> um are you are you at all worried that um because you make clothes that are so robust that you're going to put yourself out of business i know what you mean but i think i don't think so in that sense just because like i also do workshops so i teach people how to sew things for themselves so there's that element of i just really want to share with people the message that it's important to see fashion in a better light so and to be honest if people do like stop buying because they have like enough and I'll just go on with the workshops and just teach people how to sew and repair their clothes. I think it's just about being adaptable, but yeah, and bringing new things out all the time so people don't get bored of what I've got. And yeah, but I know what you mean. It's, it's a very good point, but I'm willing to take that risk. <laughs> there always be more customers as well. I noticed your fashion sense changed from when you were a teenager mm. to now. Uh, what was the influence for the change? Yeah, because I remember like definitely like when I was a teenager, it was a lot of like shaved hair, punk goth look I love that kind of like eat teenage angst stage was very strong with me <laughs> it was just like very dark <laughs> but um and I, th- I think it's just to be honest it's like age like I feel like I just kind of express how I feel inside like with like how I look so I think once that stage of like confusion and everything passed and I felt more cemented in myself I just started to explore a softer different style and it just kind of evolved naturally like I'm always changing it and refining it I think it's just something that I see more as like an expression of how I feel in many ways. But there'll always be a lot of black in there. Like... <laughs> so you feel less angry. <laughs> less, less like, yeah, I guess less teenage angsty. Like, I don't know what it was. It was just like, I don't know about you, but when you're a teenager, it feels yeah. like you are against the world. And as you get older, you're like, no, you're very much part of it. And you've got to kind of like settle in. <laughs> fit in somehow. Like... <laughs> Whereas when you're a teenager, no one understands me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good way of summing up teenagers. I remember I used to wear um bike chains to like hold your keys. Did you ever have one of those? I didn't, but a lot of yeah, a lot of our friends did. Yeah, <laughs> it was a classic. <laughs> 
Oh, they were terrible. They're so heavy as well. I don't know why I wore them. Yeah. And trousers that were like absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sacrifices we make for style. Like, <laughs> did you skateboard at all no i wanted to but i've just got no like coordination when it comes like i've tried it so many times but no like it just never happened did you i could imagine you being a skateboarder actually yeah i wasn't very good at it but yeah i did used to yeah gave it your best i never had the balance either yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like when it gets too fast they just sort of freak out like <laughs> like someone just put a penguin in there i was just like whoa what's happening <laughs> <laughs> I never mastered going down the ramps actually. No, I didn't <laughs> even get that scary. close, so well done like for trying. <laughs> do you used to play music as well. Um do you still play any music at all? Really, to be honest, I feel like I'm one of those people I can only focus like heavily on one thing. Like I think some people are capable of like being like, Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I feel like I just focus on one thing and like just like give it everything I've got but yeah I used to like love playing the guitar and stuff when we were younger and piano but yeah just kind of like I feel like I've lost the knack for it as well if someone gave me like an instrument now I'd be like whoa what do you want me to do with that (laughs) like I'm like that I just kind of (laughs) one thing one way road (laughs) I can still I still play don't play guitar as much as I used to but I still can do it now which is good because I thought I wouldn't be able to do it at all yeah okay back to the clothes (laughs) yeah because i I was gonna ask you do you play anything other than do you play like drums i don't know why i feel like you're a drummer no no i don't play drums no i play bass guitar and oh okay electric guitar oh okay cool yeah and can should have known that though work out stuff on a keyboard but i don't really know okay so what designers and artists inspire you Oh, that's a good question. Haven't thought about that in a long time. Um, probably there's this designer that I really love. She was around more in like I think the 1930s. Um, I think her name is Elsa Schiaparelli. I've never had to say it out loud, so I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce her surname. But she did these really beautiful kind of details where she'd have like brooches and embellishments with like lobsters and like eyes. It was just a bit surreal. She had that kind of vibe to her. Like, I guess, like a female version of Dali, but expressing herself in fashion. If you do like beautiful, really like intricate things, and that's something I'd never do with my brand because it takes such a long time to do embroidery and embellishment. But I always look to her for like little details, like in fashion. For sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, try not to, I don't know about you, creative, but I try not to look too much. At what other people do because I do feel like it bleeds into what I start doing so I really try to stay focused on like what I want to achieve with like what I'm creating and what I'm doing so even though I know it's good practice to look at other designers and makers I really try to like keep it like contained like and just look at what I'm doing and yeah I don't know if you're like that with your like creativity as well or do you kind of look to other people maybe um uh yeah i can see i can see what you mean and yeah probably (laughs) i'm really fine there's people who inspire me but then i don't draw inspiration directly from them yeah so yeah i totally get what you mean i'm with you so what was the inspiration for war and robe well uh (laughs) the inspiration was to be honest like the reason why i always loved like fashion was because of my mum like she always like kind of inspired me like growing up watching her like I started wasn't like crazy or anything like that but just the way she put things together and 
like the way she carried herself like always really inspired me just as a woman how she'd carry herself so she was always like at the back of my mind whatever I choose to wear it was kind of like her influence that kind of was ingrained in my mind as a child um and then when I started war and drove I really like had to first question myself like why am I doing it what do I want to achieve with this and like what actually creates me to make things so then um I kind of realized like my personal story was fueling me to be creative and express that and get that like all those emotional kind of things out in there in like a positive way um but basically my family and I we came here as refugees in the early 90s and um we like that's why it's called wardrobe so it's that kind of like play on words wardrobe wardrobe and um my mum during that time like she'd always talk to me like afterwards like how she felt during that time and like what she went through and she just had these amazing stories of um just amazing stories just generally about how she survived it and, and all of our family but she'd kind of pepper it with you know stories about like how she still like wear like makeup and like dress really well and even she said she made an effort to dress even better than before the war because um she felt that like it was her way of like maintaining a sense of pride like like as just a human being like to sort of show that like a sense of resilience like oh you've not like beaten me completely like even though this is like we're living in devastation it's just like I'm still got like strength in me and showing that on the surface um but yeah I remember her telling me about how she worked in the pharmacy so she'd kind of like um I think they got to a point where they couldn't afford to pay them so they'd exchange like work for goods so she'd always go for like the lipstick and like she'd like top up her own <laughs> bartering, like makeup was like a priority for her. So like, I just really loved that about her. Like that was her little quirk. And I kind of just took that on. And like when I started War and Drove, I kind of, before I had the name for it, I really like once I decided, yeah, that's my inspiration and that's what, where I design from and where I create from as a person, um, I wasn't sure whether to share that. I was kind of like, oh, do I really share the story with people? Is that a bit too intimate? Because it's like, obviously like quite heavy loaded with like emotion when it comes to like talking about it and stuff. But I thought, I think it is important to talk about it because I think now like that more independent businesses are like coming to the surface. I think it's important for us to share our stories and like why we do what we do. And it's not just like, oh, here's like a pretty accessory, like, more you know so people can carry that message with what they wear and have like a beautiful story to inspire other people yeah to shop more like independent to shop with more independent brands i guess yeah bit of a long-winded interesting how old were you when you came to the uk uh so i was about four four and a half when we came here um and it was literally december 1992 that we came so it was just as we were about to turn into 1993 yeah so quite young and my brother was seven when we came over, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Something like that's going to have a toll on you. And of course, you're going to put it into your art later on. Do you remember any of it? Or is it mostly stories that you've been uh, retold since? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, really, I've always had like a really good memory. Like, I can remember even before the war. So I would have been like three before the war, about two and a half, three. And I can remember like things like playing in the snow outside. And these. So I've always had quite like a... Um, vivid memory and um yeah I can remember during the war and like things that we had to do um it was mostly like the bombings would happen at night and shootings so we had a lot of people like the time like snipers would shoot through our windows and I always remember vividly like my parents asking us 
like waking us up and we had to like crawl out of bed and like stay low down on the ground and we'd kind of like just like as a family like pile up into the hallway like with like pillows and just kind of sleep there and my brother had this like cigar box that I remember him showing me you know as your kid you're just taking it all in you're not really you don't know the meaning behind it you just like take the information you're like a sponge you're kind of just like watching and just recording everything I remember he had this like wooden box and he kept all the bullets <clears throat> that would come into our um flat in this box and he had like this little collection I think even he probably didn't get what it was but he was just like oh look this really cool thing the thing that came through the window like I've got one of those like collecting away but um yeah and I remember when like the bombings got would get really bad we'd all like <clears throat> as a community in the block of flats we lived we'd all go down to the basement where it was a bit safer and like yeah just like did what you could I guess to survive um and just as a child I think it's easier because you are like obviously like intimidated by what's going on but I think there's a level of you don't have to make the decisions so it's just relying on other people to be like okay this is what we're doing and also like you don't have a sense of the consequence I remember that like I now looking back I was just like oh wow like if that went wrong or if like a bullet like came in at the wrong angle or it's like I know now what would happen but before it was just like really scary in terms of like just noise being woken up and just like I feel like it was just more like trauma in terms of like sound and just like shift of lifestyle as well like it went from feeling really safe to feeling like really vulnerable like so yeah I think it was more that kind of like emotional impact okay do you have the memories in fear form at all or is it literally just images as if it was a film yeah it's images and remembering how I felt like especially when at one point we had to be separated from our parents like it's a bit of a long story but uh, we had the opportunity to escape, but there was only room for like uh, four of us to escape. So there was my grandparents as well and my parents and my parents decided to um, like let us go with my grandparents. And like that, like I just remember that feeling of like saying goodbye to my parents and saying goodbye to my mum just always stayed with me that kind of that real. It was just so distressing, but I felt like you had to like really hold it in like it was it's really funny like as kids like I think kids are a lot smarter than we kind of give them credit for like because I remember knowing that if I show how I feel it'll make her life worse like her experience worse mm -hmm. so I remember like just feeling like I really have to hold it in and I think because I held it in like I can re really remember how that felt of just like really not wanting that to happen you know when you're a kid and like you just really don't want to like going to the dentist like you really really don't want to do it it was kind of like that but like enhanced like so those kind of feelings have stayed definitely <clears throat> with me. How long were you apart from your parents for? Apart from eight eight months, I think. Like whenever my parents told us how long, okay. it was eight months. So uh, my brother and I, we got taken by our grandparents to uh, Serbia, so Belgrade, um, which was is basically like a neighbouring country and they were at war. Um, so they took us there, which it was safer. And because we were in Sarajevo previously, which is in Bosnia, and yeah, so we started already going to school there and we were living there until like we were hoping that our parents would come as well. And eventually they came like to be with us. So and then we decided to move to the UK and yeah, be a bit safe. Did you have connections in the UK or is that just a country you all fancied? Um, not really. I think it was just because like my mum is a Bosnian Muslim and my dad is a Bosnian Serb. So because those were one one of the two sides fighting um, and my brother and I were like uh, like from a 
they, they would refer to it as like a mixed marriage. Um, oh. There was this kind of danger that all my parents also felt like they felt weren't as safe to stay, you know, either if it's like, even if it's in Bosnia or Serbia, they felt like they would rather go somewhere where that doesn't mean anything to anybody where it's neutral so that my brother and I could grow up like in a safe space. Um, so my grandma, she, when she was younger for like a really short time, she lived in Peterborough. So in the UK. And I think my parents, like as a family, like they were kind of looking just anywhere English speaking because my grand already knew how to speak English and my dad did a little bit. So they were thinking that would make things easier rather than going somewhere like, you know, like Germany where they just didn't know the language or so it was kind of between Australia and England. So I'm glad it turned out to be <laughs> London. I would have never met you or Joe. Or... <laughs> that would have never happened. <laughs> Uh, so that's interesting. What language uh, did you speak originally? Uh, so it's Serbo-Croatian. It's uh, oh, okay. yeah, it's kind of like it's a, it sounds a little bit like Russian, but just I think maybe a little bit softer. I don't know, like yeah, but very similar sounding to Russian. <laughs> Can you still speak any? Yeah, I speak it every day. Like, oh, God, are you going to ask me to say something? <laughs> Is it going? <laughs> like at school when you wear glasses and everyone's like, "Can I try your glasses on?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak it. I can't speak it. I speak it every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Does your is that what your mum predominantly speaks? And my dad. Yeah. I can read and write it as well, but like really slowly because I don't do it every day. Like you know, when you don't practice something every day, it's a bit rusty. But yeah, like uh, speaking every day, mum and dad and my brother. Oh. Like I speak a celebration to them. Yeah, with them. Ah, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, so when uh, this is a. A question I like to ask people who are multilingual. When you think in your head, which uh, language do you think in? Do you know what? It depends what kind of mood I'm in. And, like, I find mm. that each language expresses things differently. Like, I feel like there's some things that I can say in English that you can't get the gist of it in, like, Serbo-Croatian so, and, and vice versa. So it depends, like, what kind of mood I'm in and, like, how I'm trying to express it. The same is, like, when I talk to my brother like we'll dip in and out of the languages and we'll mix it up just because something just sounds better. You get your point across better in English or you get your point across better in Serbo-Croatian. So I've never really thought in just one or the other, like a bit of both, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Is there any sayings in, uh, in is it called Serb-Croatia that there isn't in English? Um, I think there's a similar saying, but the first one that comes into mind that I grew up with my dad always saying to me, and I just love this one, it's just pure gold. Um, when, like, you know, when you're younger and you're like kind of mixing with the wrong crowd and stuff, he'd always have this saying of like, you can't be an eagle if you fly with the pigeons. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's beautiful. Like when he'd say that, like outside, I'd be like, oh, dad, stop it. Don't be like that. But inside, I was like, I know what you mean. Like, <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> so I think it's a similar oh, one. But like, I can't, I can't think of it. But yeah, great one. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so when you moved to England, did you go to London straight away or did you live somewhere else? Yeah, so we were in London um, when we first came here and we lived in like a refuge while we were just settling down, like a refuge that was like letting refu refugees stay with them until like they like gave us, like the government was incredible, like they gave us a place to stay, like a flat and like helped us get back on our feet, which was just amazing, like and it was quite like a big shift in terms of like straight away, it was back to that feeling of like safety and security, which 
I think like as a kid, like I didn't really register at the time, but now when I look back, like you can see the shift in like the stages, the different chapters of that experience. So yeah, like it was straight to London, straight to London. I haven't been, I haven't moved far. It's like just been South London, <laughs> like <laughs> very committed to the South. Like. <laughs> that seems nice enough there. <laughs> it's I right, can't complain really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you haven't lived in the same house the whole time you have moved house since. Yeah, literally we, we stayed in like a flat for our whole childhood, but um then it just got to the point where me and my brother were sharing a room and it just got to the point where we were like about to turn teenagers and it was just like we did need separate space, which I resented because I loved, I loved like our sort of like midnight chats of like talking and just mm. like banter and stuff. But um, yeah, it had to happen. So when we like turned, um, went into being teenagers, like uh, we got a house and moved, moved out just for a bit more space. And were your parents able to find similar careers to what they had originally? No, like my mum was a pharmacist in uh, Bosnia and then when she came here, like she had to like retrain and do everything like that and she really did want to do it. But um, it was just too, there was just too much going on. Like I feel feel like just the restart of life because my parents would have been like 32, I think, when they came here. So it was just like they already had like an established life so it felt like a reset and um, just all the things they had to do when they first came here it was just like my dad was like a pizza delivery driver. My mum was a cleaner. So like literally they just took any job that like they needed to do to like keep like everything afloat and to like to keep the family going. So yeah, it was just kind of like just do what That's you have mad. to do. Yeah, yeah. So they were about um, our age when they had to take the responsibility yeah. of all the decisions they had to make then oh that's crazy it's just like everything we like created now imagine if someone was like well scrap that back to zero like the flat you had oh. the things you had it's like bye-bye like it's just like yeah. everything different country lost. yeah yeah it's just like total restart it's like you were playing a video game and you just got killed and it's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> or someone broke the video game and gave you a new one yeah <laughs> 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 That's such an interesting story. Um, I'll see if I've got any more questions about your clothes. I'm sure I do. <laughs> uh, you worked somewhere else, clothes-based, before you started War and Drove. Tell me about that. It was clothes-based, but I think it was like completely different at the same time. Um, for like three and a half years, I worked in a laundry company. So I was basically a sample machinist and I'd sew like um, the designers would like create a design and then I was more like the technical side of things. So we'd have to just basically make it um, a functioning product to make for the factories. So we were doing all the samples and it was just like laundry. So I was doing a lot of like corsets, bras, like that kind of thing. So completely different, like really, really intricate work. But um, I lo- I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved that job. But um, yeah, definitely needed like a change. So that's when like I left and did some freelance work, started all in drove and like, yeah, so the same, but very, very different as well. Like, yeah, it was a good step in the, in the direction. Um, was it while you were there that you decided you wanted to work in the fashion industry or had you decided that already? Yeah, I decided that like I studied fine art and it was during that time. I really felt like I love like art and I still always will like, but I felt like I really needed like, structure and rules like I needed a trade I just wanted to know like how to do something really well and then go and break the rules so 
when I was in my third year of university, I started uh, interning for a tailor. Uh, every Saturday I'd go and like work with him. And it was really through him that I realized that this is what I wanted to do. Like I actually like wished that I had done fashion and like focused on that. And then as soon as I left uni, I just started to like apply for fashion jobs. And I started kind of like at entry level just to kind of get through the door, get my foot through the door to figure out what I really wanted to do with it. And um, yeah, so it was it was quite a shift. But I think like it all worked out in the end because I feel like there was things that I learned through studying fine art that can apply to the business as well. So like in terms of like how like looking at things in a conceptual way and like putting meaning behind things rather than just being like, oh, this is a product, like end of story, like with art, there's meaning behind everything and there's like a story behind everything. So in that sense, I think it worked out for the best. You said you were inspired by your mum, what your mum used to wear. Do, do you have a similar fashion sense then? Does she wear the same similar clothes now? I think like to an extent that now her fashion's totally changed. Like she's always like changing how she, her style and stuff. Yeah, now she's a bit more quirky. And but when like I think she was younger, she used to wear a lot of like really cool like baggy jumpers. You know that nineties look of like skinny leggings, baggy jumpers, that kind of vibe, scrunchy. Like, so I feel like I'm kind of leaning a bit more towards that nowadays, like just a comfortable look, like as I'm getting older. <laughs> and just everything was oversized. Like she wore a lot of oversized stuff, which I'm kind of getting more of an appreciation for. Like, but yeah, yeah different. Like I feel like I kind of resonate more with uh, like vintage styles and she's a bit always been like kind of modern and like, do you know what I mean? That kind of look. So different, but the same senses, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of enjoying the jogging bottoms actually since <laughs> uh, since the lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> and I tried to wear jeans for the first time the other day, and they were so uncomfortable. <laughs> what was uncomfortable? About them? <laughs> or like I don't know, just because I'd been wearing jogging bottoms for like however many months with pretty much not wearing jeans, and then as soon as I put them on, it's kind of like a really rubbing material I guess and I think because we've been spending a lot of our lives on zoom and like skype and stuff I feel like you can get away with looking normal from like the torso like who knows what you're wearing beneath like you could be wearing tiny short shorts like (laughs) who only knows like Uh, that's brilliant have you been back to bosnia much yeah i have i've been oh god i think i've been i can't remember exactly how many times but three or four times i've been back probably more but they're the ones that kind of come to mind um yeah just to like see family and see like family friends and it's just quite nice like i always go back to where i was born which is like the capital city sarajevo i'll always go back there and it just there is like a nice feeling of um belonging like I always get that feeling like when I go there I feel like kind of Mm. it's where you like belong like all the memories start coming back like when I see the street that we grew up in it's like really takes me back to that time of like before the war being like really happy and content so yeah I love going back just to kind of like touch base with that like yeah kind of family and I guess still got family out there have you met anyone else who um fled the conflict as well in England yeah we we have like friends 
like uh, I think because I think with any like community that you know comes over to the UK or moves anywhere they tend to kind of like find like each other and kind of help each other out and there's an excitement when you hear someone speak the same language and you're straight away like yeah. you've got this like oh my god like we understand each other like yeah <laughs> so like we do have like friends that like we stay in touch with like family friends here that we've made when we've moved to London that we didn't know before then so yeah, there's there's quite a lot of people that moved over in the early '90s when the war happened. Yeah. Did you know anyone from when you lived there that uh, moved elsewhere in the world? Yeah, like we have some like friends and like family in America, Australia, I think like Germany, different places. But like, yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. I think people just kind of went wherever they kind of saw like a hope for like a peaceful life. So I think people kind of just like turned to whatever, you know, kind of solution they could find at the time. Like it wasn't kind of like, oh, you know, I'd really love to like live in this place. It was more just kind of like like a means to an end. So, yeah, different places. What have you got coming up clothes wise? Are you able to say? (laughs) Of course, like always, like I've been trying to release like a new sort of limited collection once a month. So I've got one coming at the end of the month. And then, which I've been doing with like uh, this collective called Nocturnal Aesthetics. So everything's like really gothic, going back to the teenage angst, <laughs> like really gothic, like <laughs> black and like um, like a lot of silk and, you know, like there's kind of like, it's, it's quite um, like gold and silvers. So I've got a collection coming out with them at the end of the month. And then September as well, I've been working with a really good friend of mine, Lizzie, and she has a brand called uh, We Resonate. And, um, yeah, we've been making a lot of, like, silk uh, vintage pattern scarf, uh, headbands, sorry. And, um, yeah, we've been doing that a lot, and they've been really popular. So we're trying to get them out as regularly as we can. And we'll be doing another launch for that uh, at the beginning of September. So, yeah. Where can uh, people find information about your clothes? I'm quite, like, I try to be quite good on Instagram. So it's just war and drobe, but A-N-D. Warren Drobe and then warrendrobe.co.uk is my website. So yeah, those two I'm quite like good on. Like I do have like Facebook and Twitter, but like I just don't really use them that much. <laughs> Instagram does seem better for that sort of thing just because of the visual element. Do you use online stores then to sell or have you got a sell page on your website? So I sell through my website, um and which is like predominantly the main part of like my business and then I also sell at small independent shops around London so I'm stocked in a few shops like in different little areas of London and that's really good like just to I think reach out to different customers like it's a good way for people that aren't like stuck to their phones and stuck to Instagram to discover you and um yeah so those are the kind of like two main ways that I do it like my online store and then like little independent shops as well Okay, is that an ongoing thing you've got with a couple of shops or are you changing shops all the time? Yeah, it's ongoing. So it's just like I work with uh, four shops and like they just like let me know when they need a new order in and make it for them, send it. And then if like new shops get in touch, I do do it. But because I hand make everything, it's like I obviously use the machine, but like a lot of the finishing is by hand and it's really time consuming. I tend like to kind of just work with shops that are also like have the same values as me. So like they're independent, but they're also like interested in supporting sustainable brands, that kind of element, they have that kind of element to it. So um, 
feel like that fits in better with my brand and the brand message. So um, I don't do too much of that just because it's quite time consuming. But like I kind of try to find a balance between the two. Like, yeah. So I'm not constantly making throughout the night. <laughs> what do you listen to to keep yourself entertained while you're making the clothes? I've been listening actually to a lot of podcasts. I've really gotten into like listening. Ooh. <laughs> and yours is obviously a new to listen to. I love it. Some really good interviews. When you sent me the link, I was listening to them. They were so funny. Oh, which ones? The guy at the airport. Oh, yeah. The guy at the airport yeah. that got stuck in the <laughs> This is so funny. <laughs> like, honestly, I need to listen to the full ones because I just listened to the ones on YouTube. Oh yeah, but yeah. I need to listen to like the yeah. So that that got me through like a good afternoon. That was like an afternoon's worth of like cracking up. <laughs> Music and stuff. It'd be quite surreal uh, and... to listen to this one back, I guess. But <laughs> or do you just listen to your own interviews? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> vanity just keep i hate hearing my own voice so it's just uh, like so <laughs> i'm like oh like horrid <laughs> uh, when's your next release of clothes if have i asked already uh you did but yeah i forgot to mention i am doing more clothes but i'm literally just playing it by ear because i've got like the fabrics and i know what i'm doing with them but i've just every time i go to like pick it up and start working on it something will come up with like other things that I've already got like available to buy. So it's been something that I have been saying for ages, I'm going to get back to, but soon I don't have a date for that. Like, but I wish I did. Um, what other businesses uh, would you tell people to buy from as well as yours? Oh my God. I've got so many, like through doing this like business, I've met so many other people that do the same thing. So somebody that I really, really admire and I love her work is my friend called Eleanor and she runs a business called 1985 and it's um, interior design. So it's like cushions and like blankets, but she's also like heavy on the sustainable fashion side and she's got such a beautiful, beautiful aesthetic and like the colours she chooses. And um, yeah, like I've got some of her pieces. So highly recommend people checking her out. And of course, like my friend that I work with on the regular, Lizzie from We Resonate, also like such amazing, beautiful principles behind what she does. And like, yeah, just reuses vintage materials and vintage silks. So yeah, I think those two are the first, but there's so many, I feel bad. Like there's (laughs) just so many people I could mention, but those two are the first that come to mind. Like, yeah. You're going to have a lot of hate emails from people who are like, oh, you should have. I, <laughs> Thanks for I thought we were really good friends. Like, <laughs> but literally, there are so many. I feel like all my friends now are makers because like, this is like all I do. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put me in a bad spot there, Ross. Oh, sorry. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's not getting a Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what uh, what advice would you give to anyone who is planning on starting a clothes company? Um, I think there's been a lot of things that I've learned like along the way for sure. Like I think one thing is just like don't rush the launch. I think like take your time to like establish like exactly what you want to do with your brand, like the brand image. Like of course it will evolve as you work, but there's no rush. I think if you're going to do something, like try to do it well and like put a lot of heart into it. And like, just be authentic with what you do. I think that would be the key thing out of many, many things that I've learned through making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> what was your biggest mistake? 
EA would say. <laughs> I think, I'm just thinking like just like overloaded with mistakes. But um, I think the thing that I am still kind of it's more of a hurdle than a mistake, but that I'm still working on is that um, just being like my own obstacle. Like I tend to always think like, oh, I can't do that. That's like out of my reach or like I'll be my own barrier to getting things done. And like, you know, like I just like I, I feel like it's important to have like faith in yourself. Like I'll always be like, oh, if I'm lucky, that'll happen. But actually, like there's an element of like you are making things happen by working hard. So, yeah, I think I'm still learning to kind of be my own best friend. <laughs> yeah i think the getting in the way of yourself is the thing i've struggled with most as well and but i've learned to not expect perfection from whatever it is i'm doing so just whatever it is it's better that it exists than it be perfect but how does that translate to when you're making clothes because if something is seriously wrong with it it is going to look mental so <laughs> exactly i think that goes back to the process of like um just making samples and creating, you know, before. So I won't just create one and then that's done. Like I will test it out loads and loads of times before I release it. And then I'll also like what I test out, like I'll actually wear it for a period of time to see if there's like wear and tear and like to see if it's a good product before I put it out there, you know, to say like, oh, this is like long lasting. So I'll, I'll test it out first. Um, so there's that element of it. There's been so many things that I've made that like haven't been seen, like just because, you know, it just wasn't like up to scratch. <laughs> what do you do with those? Uh, if I can, like a easiest option is for me to wear them and have them in our wardrobe because I don't mind faults and mistakes. And also like, it's good to actually have some like new clothes. Um, but then also if I can, like I can cut them down to make other pieces. So it's just that like, if it's a fabric I'm already using for a design, I'll just use that and like, rather than it going to a waste. So like I'm, I'm not keen at all and like throwing things away so I'll always like reuse and think of a new I'm a bit of a hoarder like I've just like there's not much space for like my actual things it's just space for like how can I recreate this and like how can I make this waste something functional like that is my life <laughs> do you ever watch the show hoarders no I have I have I really can't because I'm like I can see myself yes. being that person because I've gone through like such a stage of like selling things giving stuff to charity shops because I'm like I need like a clear space because I went through a massive stage of just hoarding stuff that I really really like ornaments like I just get loads of ornaments from like you know car boot sales and stuff and I'm like nobody needs this many ornaments in their life like it looks like I've got a problem yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> It looks like there's some serious issues behind this person. Like, so I've had like a declutter. My life is a lot more kind of, yeah, zenful like, in terms of like how much stuff I'm keeping around me. <laughs> do, you, do you not buy any of your own clothes now as you make clothes? I do like, I'd still like love like a good like car boot sale. Like I love vintage shopping and like charity shops and stuff. I just love finding something that someone else has like, done with this. And I can like reuse it, so I, I'm just crazy about that. So I still like love finding something to rehome. So yeah, definitely do buy. But it's just like the time. Like I'm like on my weekend, do I really want to shop? Like no, I don't. <laughs> 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 I just want to chill. <laughs> That's good. That's definitely a hoarder mindset, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's also a, it's also a fashion guru, I think. They're trying to find yeah. something that someone else doesn't like, but. <laughs> yeah but yeah totally hoarder mindset this is where it comes from it's deep rooted like <laughs> i'm a hoarder too uh well... <laughs> yeah, I that. 
Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's true. <laughs> I've got a bunch of... Over to like, and there's just a pile of stuff, and like with Joe buried underneath. Like, (laughs) I'm fortunate enough that um, I don't really buy that much stuff, but it's more stuff I have. I some of the stuff I'm refusing to get rid of. Like Joe's trying to persuade me to get rid of all these magazines that I haven't read yet, and I was like, no, I am going to read them. (laughs) One day I will get to it. (laughs) One day. Uh, so is there anything I've missed out about your business that you'd like to share? I think that's it. I think we've hit the key points of like, yeah, you've asked them good questions. Thank you. Oh, like, thank you. <laughs> that's I'm good. Really, I'm glad. Yeah, well, I feel honoured to be on your podcast. Oh, I'm glad Glad to hear I've got a fan. <laughs> Definitely. I'm rooting for you. I think I've subscribed on YouTube, but I don't subscribe to many things. Like... Oh, perfect. Thanks so much. <laughs> um uh, any words of passing wisdom before i let you go i think we'll just go back to my dad saying of like if you want to be an eagle don't fly with the pigeons (laughs) (laughs) y'all and on that note hey thanks for listening and thank you to nina for joining me if you or someone you know is in the market for a beautiful vintage dress why not visit www.warandrobe.co.uk or check out war and on instagram at war and that's it bye